Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Now, as I read my Bible in Revelation 14, there are three messages that God will give to this world. And the cloud rider will come in glory to save a righteous, obedient church at the time of the end. The remnant church will rise and become what it is as it proclaims the three angels' messages. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, make sure that you call us at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there right now to take your prayer request and to pray with you. 888-244-HOPE. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Cloud Writer. That's The Cloud Writer, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com, along with many more messages archived there for you. Yesterday, we brought you the first portion of The Cloud Writer. We will complete that broadcast now. Remember, you can always listen to this message and many more online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with The Cloud Rider. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Now, I'll make this statement very directly. I want you to hear me. A lukewarm church that does not bear testimony to the truth will not overcome at the time of the end. Did you hear me? A lukewarm church that does not bear testimony to the truth will not overcome at the time of the end. That final remnant that the dragon attacks will honor the apostolic gospel of God's grace without apology, and it will be forever grateful for God's forgiveness at the cross as fundamental to its right to be remnant. The Bible says the remnant church will also keep the commandments of God. You know, we live in an age where many Christians think it's not in vogue to keep God's commandments. You hear preachers in the pulpits across the land saying, you know, God did away with his law. He nailed it to the cross. But they won't tell their little child when he steals or kills or does something crazy that God's law is done away with. So they talk out of both sides of their mouth. Friends, God's moral law has not been done away with. Jesus did not eradicate that at the cross. He died because he had to atone for it. This is nonsense theology. The remnant in Revelation will keep all of God's Ten Commandments without shame because God is one. You can't whack away one of the ten and still have them as a single unit. They will keep the first four of the Ten Commandments as well as the last six. The first four point to our covenant relationship with God, including the Sabbath of the Fourth Commandment, which is Saturday in the Bible. And they will honor the law of God as the principle of love because Jesus Christ died to atone for our sins that broke the law of love. The remnant church will keep the last six commandments that direct us in our duty to man and country as good citizens in the land. You see, the law of God takes care of our vertical relationships and it takes care of our horizontal relationships. The remnant church will respect the family as God's institution on earth to teach children his law. 
And thus children will honor their parents in the remnant church because the role of father and mother is respected without some philosopher king theologian reinventing what it means to be a mother or a father. The Bible gives us that direction. In the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20.13, God gave his royal, holy covenant command to his people, his law on sapphire tablets we learn in Exodus 24. And so the law came from his throne, the sapphire throne of God. It's an eternal thing. It can never be done away with. So the sixth commandment taken from God's sapphire throne law says, thou shalt not what? Kill. Do you read it with me? Thou shalt not what? Kill. And it means murder. The remnant church will protect life. It will be pro-life in this sense that it will care about every human life. Whether that life is mature or not, it will care about life. Thou shalt not kill. The remnant church will protect the unborn like the early Seventh-day Adventist church did. Because thou shalt not kill. The remnant church will not participate in the slaughter of children and babies in medical clinics. And it will not side with the laws of the land that make it legal to kill a baby yet unborn. And even at the time it is born. It will not sin against God in this way because it will keep all of the commandments of God. This past month, the state of New York passed an evil law. An evil law that makes it legal in New York to kill a child as it's being born for reasons that are carnal and evil. And where are the preachers of this country calling this what it is? The remnant church will not align with the greatest evil of our time and its medical institutions. Those in our midst who would do such a thing, who would make it acceptable in our hospitals, destroy babies like this, are not men and women of God in the remnant church. They are frauds. They need Christ. They must repent because we must never be about this stuff. The remnant church, friend, will keep all of God's commandments. And like the early church that visited the trash heaps of the Roman Empire to find babies discarded by evil men and women who didn't want them, they will find those children and they raise them in the Christian church. We know this from the Christian papyri. We know that that's what the early church did. The remnant church will save every child it can so that every child can learn to live and love Jesus Christ. The value of a human soul cannot be measured. There will be a remnant, friend, that keeps the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. And there will be a remnant that is for life as the sixth commandment clearly teaches us. So the dragon will be angry at the time of the end. And the dragon will go off to make war on that righteous remnant that keeps all of God's commandments and bears testimony to Jesus Christ. The latest in church will repent of its evils. Did you hear me? The latest in church will repent It will take the admonition of Jesus, and thus the Laodicean church will rise to become the remnant church of the apocalypse that lives for Jesus and that keeps all of the commandments of God, the fourth and the sixth. Friend, we cannot afford as Christians to compromise with evil, period. A hospital that would boast of its right to destroy the unborn in a legal affidavit presented to the state of Maryland has no moral right to have any part in the remnant church. Do you hear me? Has no moral right to claim the name that is associated with the remnant church if it files an affidavit so it can be built based on that premise. Ministers who will hide this fact and cover for this fact have no right to bear a ministerial credential in the remnant church. Why? Because God will judge his people. We are living in the time of the investigative pre-advent judgment. The hour of God's judgment has come. 
We cannot afford to think this way. Christ is coming for his people. We must be the people here described. Now, as I read my Bible in Revelation 14, there are three messages that God will give to this world. And the cloud rider will come in glory to save a righteous, obedient church at the time of the end. The remnant church will rise and become what it is as it proclaims the three angels' messages. The first angel's message, friend, is the call to live and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ because the hour of God's judgment has come. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation 14, 6. I ask you this question. How many of you have memorized the three angels' messages? Okay, a few of you. How many of you have memorized the Ten Commandments? The Beatitudes when you were in church school. Now, of the three great pieces of the Bible you ought to memorize, you should memorize the Ten Commandments, obviously. You should also memorize the Beatitudes, which is Jesus' interpretation of it. But as end-time believers, we should memorize the three angels' messages. So let's go through it all together here. Look at verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said, with what kind of voice? What does the text say? With a loud voice. You've got to get excited about the first angel's message. Fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him and made heaven and earth the sea and the fountains of water. In Deuteronomy 10, 12, the fear of God means to love the Lord your God. To fear God in Proverbs 8, 13 is the hatred of evil and all perverted speech. In Proverbs 16, 6, the fear of the Lord means to turn away from evil. The remnant church will give no place for evil in its teaching or practice. It will be true to the Bible, true to the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, as John here told us, that it is God's intervention through the prophets. The remnant church will also proclaim, as this message here indicates, an eternal gospel to the world. Now, that's not a reinvented gospel at the time of the end. An eternal gospel means it was preached way back and it's still preached. So it's not the role of the remnant church to reinvent the gospel. I am very grateful today for Martin Luther, who nailed his 95 theses to the church door at Wittenberg. I'm grateful that he stood for righteousness by faith and gave it back to the church from the Bible, and that we can hold on to these things as Christians. It's an eternal gospel we preach and teach. They will teach the same gospel as taught by Paul, Peter, John, Jesus, John Calvin, Martin Luther, John Wesley, and the great revivalist of the Second Great Awakening. Friend, we all need the eternal gospel of God's forgiveness in Jesus. It is the gospel of God's grace that saves the sinner from his or her sin. If you've got a way of thinking where that's not primary, you need to adjust your thinking. And so the first angel's message starts with what God has done for us, the good news of the gospel. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans 1, 16 and 17. I like this verse because it shows you what was the focus of Paul's life. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, which means the good news. It is what? What does the text say? It is the the power of God for salvation. Now, have you ever felt like you can't be saved? You ever felt like there's no way you can make it? The gospel is God's way to save you and your family. For everyone who has faith, you see, faith is that condition. Once it's met, we have the power of the good news to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, he through faith is righteous. That person will live. Friend, we don't need a reinvented gospel at the time of the end. We need the everlasting gospel of God's forgiveness in Jesus that makes men and women alive and not guilty for the judgment day.
The second angel's message draws a line in the sand. It follows the first. It has no loud voice. It will be repeated at the very end of time in the fourth angel's message. And it was given in this country, basically in eastern United States, around the year 1843. The second angel's message draws a line in the sand. So the people of God at the time of the end will resist and reject the evils of end-time Babylon. Now, when you read the book of Revelation, God's church is described as a woman. Babylon is a fallen church system. And she has dominion over the kings of the earth. She's built on seven hills. It's a religio system that has affected the entire planet. And so Babylon in the book of Revelation means that we should avoid any fallen attitude or teaching of a fallen church system that does not align with the Bible. The harlot church system rides the beast in Revelation 17. That is the world kingdom order at the time of the end. Jesus didn't die to make the church more worldly. The church does not need to have its connection to the world power to be the church. Jesus died to make us free from the world. John said he came to destroy the works of the devil. But the harlot of the apocalypse is worldly because she has cast her future with the kings of the earth. Revelation 14.8. Another angel second followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of her impure passions. Now this verse gave rise to the Seventh-day Adventist church in 1843. We came into existence because of this verse. Because out of the Second Great Awakening... Charles Fitch preached a sermon about the corruption of the churches of his time. And he said, there must be a people on earth who follow the Bible. And thus it happened. The remnant church, friend, will keep all of God's commandments. As I've said, including the fourth and what other commandment? The sixth. There will be no place for priests or preachers who are corrupt with wine and alcohol or men of the cloth who lead the church into worldly practice or who prey on the children of the church. I'm sorry, that's not part of what it means to be connected to God at the time of the end. So Babylon has fallen, and thus the church must never fall into the practice of the world or cover for it in its proclamation of the gospel. You know, if we don't protect the weak as Christians, what good are we? Can I ask you that question? What good are we if we don't protect the weak? If we only protect the strong, are we really Christians? You know, if we make no difference in the world that we live in, if we don't interact for the cause of righteousness, then we're missing it. So Babylon has fallen because she doesn't care. She's aligned with the world but doesn't care about the weak that are wounded by it. So what is pure and undefiled religion for the church at the time of the end? James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. The remnant church that keeps all of the commandments of God, friend, will proclaim the mark of the beast with moral clarity. The mark of the beast warning in the Bible is the most severe warning God has ever given to the human race. It is a warning that will prepare the world for the end of the world. And it is also a proclamation by implication of the seal and sign of the everlasting covenant, which is the opposite of the mark of the beast. It's a warning that points directly to the importance of the fourth commandment of the Holy Decalogue, of God's eternal law that was taken from his sapphire throne that can never be violated or changed. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. 
We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Men of religion who in the church would teach us that we can opt out of one of these sacred principles have missed the boat. End-time issues have to do with faith in Christ and the integrity of God's law as the covenant charter of the universe. Revelation 14.9. Let's just look at the third angel's message. Another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or his hand, he also shall drink of the wine of God's wrath poured unmixed into the cup of his anger. And he shall be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. That is the strongest warning given in the Bible ever. And notice it has to do with the second coming of Christ as the cloud rider. We will not be able to meet him if we fall on the wrong side of this issue. Now look at verse 11. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest. Keyword: no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Friend, the beast is the world kingdom system at the time of the end that persecutes. And we have seen this in this new abortion law in New York. Just how beastly the world kingdom can treat children all the way up to the time they're born for silly reasons to take the life of a child. In Exodus 20.12, the Sabbath of the fourth commandment is the sign of God's covenant with his people. You know, when you lose a sense of who God is, you can do anything. You can reinterpret anything that's clear moral sense. The Sabbath is described in the book of Revelation as the seal of the living God is described in Scripture as the covenant sign of his eternal covenant. It is the bulwark that stands between faith and unbelief. There would have never been the theory of evolution if the Sabbath commandment had been taught by the Christian church correctly. We would have never bought into the church to deistic and theistic evolution because the Sabbath says we came from a loving God who created us. In seven days he made the world and he rested on the seventh day. The Sabbath is the great bulwark against atheism. And thus the Bible says it is the sign that we might know God. Ezekiel twenty twelve. Moreover also I gave them my Sabbath. What does the text say? To be what? A sign between me and them. That's a relationship sign. That they might know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them. God gave it to us so we would stay close to God. Revelation fourteen eleven says the worshippers of the beast have no rest day or night. The Greek word for rest is anapausis. And it is the consistent Greek word of the Greek Septuagint and of the New Testament for the rest of the seventh-day Sabbath. You cannot avoid the Greek language here. Seventh-day Sabbath rest is lost at the end in the Mark of the Beast issue by those who follow the beast. That means it is the issue in the Mark of the Beast. In Hebrews 4, the Sabbath is given as a sign and proof of the gospel, the abiding rest we have in Jesus. Now, I want Jesus The Sabbath is a sign of that rest in Jesus. Now, God is not of a double mind. God would not do away with the Sabbath. In the same breath, tell us the Sabbath reminds us of the gospel. 
The Sabbath is a sign of the gospel because it is not done away with. God has not destroyed the seventh-day Sabbath that bears witness to the truth of the apostolic gospel. He doesn't play tricks with his word that way in Hebrews 4. Jesus said at the time of the end that we had better keep the Sabbath if we want to be ready for the second coming. Turn to Matthew 24, verse 20. Pray that your flight may not be, what did Jesus say? May not be in winter or when? Or on a Sabbath. Now go to verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation. See, the great tribulation comes on the world at the end. Christ is saying you need to be ready for it. So have a strong prayer life and keep the Sabbath. That's what he said. For then there will be great tribulation such as never been from the beginning of the world until now. No and never will be. So what is the essence of these three angels' messages that prepares the world at the time of the end for the cloud rider. See, God has given us the three angels so we will align with his word, align with his truth, and be ready for the second coming of Christ. What are they about for the people of God? What's the core of it about? In Revelation 14, 12, it's summarized. The three are summarized in a single statement, a single call from God. Because the three angels are really one call from God, Just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. The three angels are a single call. In other words, a single point of what God is getting at here. What is that point? Look at Revelation 14, 12. Immediately following the mark of the beast, third angel. It ends this way. Here is a call for the patience or the endurance of the saints. Those who do what? Keep the commandments of God. And what's the other element? The faith of Jesus. Obedience and faith together, not apart. It's a call for obedience and faith at the time of the end. Friends, there will be a people on earth at the time of the end who keep the commandments of God and who have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. They will not see the two ideas at odds with each other. And what will Jesus do for us when the beast, the sea beast, comes back to life, the harlot that is Babylon, the lamb-like beast that is the false prophet, which will become a corrupted superpower, United States as it shifts, and all the kings of the earth unite on the last day, according to the book of Revelation, to destroy God's people, the remnant church from the face of earth. What will happen then? What will Jesus do? Will he just sit back and do nothing, or will he intervene? Friend, it will be midnight, and there will be in different lands a simultaneous movement for the destruction of God's people, and it will look like the church that is faithful, that has been persecuted at the time of the end, will fall. And the final storm clouds will come, and it will be dark, and it will look like if you stand for truth, you will not stand alive another day. And then Jesus will come to save. Then the sky will part. And through a massive wormhole, as the sky is rolled up like a scroll, he will bring the armies of heaven on the clouds of heaven to rescue his people. It's the final exodus at the end of time. It's not from Egypt, it's from here. As Christ comes, his name is the Lord, Jehovah God. Jesus is the cloud rider. And many of God's people are going to lay down their lives to bear testimony to the truth that will get us to that day. There will be an era of martyrs just before the end. But Jesus is coming. He will resurrect those dear saints and he will save those who hold firm through this final trial. And there will be a generation at the end who are not stuck on themselves who don't point to any perfection they have in themselves. They point to the cross of Christ and to what he did for them. And thus they obey him by faith. And when it's all over, some of their friends will die, some will not. 
But all together, the resurrection puts them all together again with the saints from every age. In the final day of God, when the cloud rider appears in the sky and the brightness of God pierces the darkness of the evil age and a new beginning will never end. Revelation 14, 13 and 14. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord henceforth. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Then I looked, and lo, a white cloud, and seated on the white cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Friend, Jesus is the cloud rider, and we will meet Jesus on the great harvest day in the cloud. And Jesus will be smiling on that day because Jesus is looking for you, dear heart, for me and our families. It's grace that it's all about. He's looking for us in the cloud. And so he has given us the three angels' messages, not to offend us, but to cause us to study the Bible, to cause us to deepen in our understanding of what it means to be a Christian and to help us align so that we have the faith of Jesus and we keep the commandments of God. Are the three angels a love call or not? They are. They're a love call to this world. I pray by God that you will heed them, and I will. And our families will be saved by the mercy of God. In Jesus' name. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Fenley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Again, you can listen to this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com in its entirety along with the rest of the Cosmic Controversy series. And join us again next time. We so appreciate you listening. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. <laughs>